There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look, then you will see On WCN-TV Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's WCN-TV. This is Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. You know, over the past few decades, we've lost countless constitutional rights here in America due to pretend legislation, judicial edicts, and executive orders, among other things, but never so blatantly as we've seen over the past two and a half years. On this program, we've discussed just about all of the chaos our government and health officials have caused, especially since the scandemic of COVID was foisted upon us in March of 2020. We've heard from doctors, attorneys, pastors, media personalities, private investigators, constitutional scholars, a judge, a sheriff, history scholars, and many more. All experts in their fields, proving that we've not only been lied to and grossly manipulated, but that our country has been and is being purposely destroyed by enemies within, as we seem to be plunging headlong into a great reset and one-world government under socialism. As Americans, we've been trained to obey without question the edicts of government and health officials. This has turned all of our lives upside down, and in fact, it's caused deliberate intentional deaths of countless numbers of people who trusted the experts. So where are we today? People continue to be killed in hospitals using the official COVID protocols, Young children are now being injected with the clot shot under an emergency use authorization. But the fact is, there is no emergency and there never has been one. Yet our children are being injected with an, an experimental drug that's been proven to have 1,291 side effects, dangerous side effects, not the least of which is death. Our energy grid is collapsing. Inflation has hit a 50-year high. Food processing plants and food, food distribution hubs are mysteriously going up in flames. Transgenderism has become yesterday's news, as acceptance of pedophilia is the latest new thing we're being conditioned to ignore. Not to mention, China, North Korea, Iran, and Russia are rumbling. Our country's been invaded from the South. Communism has taken hold to our North. And as our U.S. dollar is being devalued, our a new one-world digital currency is ready to be rolled out. And friends, none of this is just happening. It's intentional, it's deliberate, and it's well-planned and orchestrated. 
Earlier this year, the lunatics on the left were given a month's advance notice to prepare once again to riot, burn, and destroy due to a supposed accidental leak from the Supreme Court regarding Roe v. Wade. On Mother's Day, anarchists and a group calling themselves Jane's Revenge began attacking, firebombing, and threatening pro-life and pro-family organizations. Since then, more than 40 life-saving crisis pregnancy centers and related organizations have been hit. There have been women's marches all over the country, and the new chant now is, We Love Killing Babies. I'll be hearty like that. Meanwhile, we have innocent men and women rotting in jail, many with no official charges and no court dates, simply because they attended a rally January 6th at our Capitol to present a redress of grievances. Many of these patriots have already been sentenced, many of them coerced into false confessions, but the fact of the matter is most of them did absolutely nothing wrong and nothing illegal. For an entire year, BLM and Antifa were allowed to burn, loot, kill, and destroy. Now Jane's Revenge is doing the same. Our FBI is supposedly investigating, but I'm not holding my breath on that one because this is the same FBI that's had Hunter Biden's laptop and all the shocking, incriminating evidence it contains for years and still no justice. See, in modern American politics, we have the very best representatives money can buy. There are very few statesmen left in this country. Most are bought and paid for to do the bidding of those who place them in office. This holds true for just about every elected office in the land, from your city councilman to the current occupant of our White House. But coming up just three weeks from today, we have an opportunity to return some justice and regain some of our freedoms, at least here in Wisconsin. On August 9th, voters will go to the polls in a primary election to select who will be running in November. And today on WCN-TV, we have some hope for you, some hope for justice, for defending the Constitution, and restoring our freedoms. With us today is Karen Mueller. Karen is a, Karen is a Christian, constitutional conservative attorney. She's founder and general counsel of the Amos Center for Justice and Liberty, She's been an ally of the Alliance for Defending Freedom since 2008, and several years ago, she was a regular writer for Wisconsin Christian News, one of our most popular writers, I should say. Um, And Spencer, if you could, just pull up our website there. I'll show you how to find Karen's articles, which I commend to all of you on our website. Go to wisconsinchristiannews.com. There you go. Um, Let's start from scratch. There you go. There's the main page. Okay, now scroll down to the bottom where you can search WCN. There you go. Search by writer, put in the last name Mueller, and hit search. And there, if you flip through those, you'll find a treasure trove of great information. Keep going. Um, Lots of good articles by Karen. So Karen is running for our attorney general here in Wisconsin, and she's promised that if elected, she will investigate and prosecute allegations for hospital homicides related to the COVID-19 protocols, vaccine injuries and deaths, as well as election violations and fraud. Karen, you've been very patient, so thank you. And welcome back to WCN-TV. You were here a couple of years ago, and I'm glad you came back on today. Well, thank you for having me. I very much appreciate the opportunity to be here and to talk to you and to talk to your audience. 
So, well, this is uh, something you've never done before, isn't it? Um, running for such a uh, a high level office in the state. But uh, tell us why you got into the race. Well, first of all, I did run for Congress in 2014 in the third district. Um, and I was also in a three-way primary there, as I am now, and I came in second in that three-way primary. Um, and then the winner of that primary did go on to lose um, uh, to a Democrat. Um, and uh, so that that's my political history, and uh, never thought I would run for office again, and yet here I am. And uh, the reason I am here is um, two out of the three reasons that you just talked about. Um, uh, the deaths in hospitals, um, the vaccines that have killed so many people, and the third is election integrity, um, because I wrote uh, one of the first uh, lawsuits that went to the Supreme Court of Wisconsin uh, back in uh, 2020 in the wake of our um, what I characterize as our stolen election. And uh, that was about the absentee ballot drop boxes because I believed that they were illegal under the law and um, wanted the Supreme Court to uh, clarify that question. Uh, but they refused to hear the case back in 2020, uh, which would, have, if they had taken it, it would have saved us all a lot of time. But uh, they chose not to take it. It was an original action. And so they had that complete right to just say, no, we're, we're not going to hear that. And uh, so they'd never decided it on the merits. Um, but we recently um, got a favorable ruling because in a follow-up case to mine, um, actually the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty had contacted me, one of their lawyers, about three months after um, that unfavorable decision from the Supreme Court. And uh, they asked where the boxes were and uh they had also asked if I had a problem with them bringing the case in circuit court. And I said, no, you go for it. And so they had the plaintiffs. And so they brought it first at the circuit court level. And Judge Boren of Waukesha County uh, gave a favorable ruling back in January of this year, saying both the boxes and the absentee ballot drop box guidelines were um, uh, illegal. And uh, then it was appealed by the other side, and uh, Will took it up to the Supreme Court. And uh, that is the decision we got a week ago Friday, was when our Supreme Court in a four to three decision said, absolutely, the boxes were un um, not unconstitutional, they were illegal. And uh, what that means is that every box or every ballot that was put in them um, was null and void upon delivery into those boxes. And because of that, it's my uh, position that the legislature not only can decertify, but they must decertify. Because Wisconsin law is very clear. And what it says is that um, if you don't deliver the ballots in one of the two ways that are clearly laid out by the statute, then you cannot count those ballots. And secondly, it goes on and says, not only can you not count the ballots, but you cannot use them to certify the 10 electoral votes. That's how clear the statute was in Wisconsin and is clear. 
So, I mean, that's a good, that's a wonderful step in the right direction, at least for going forward. But what happens about November 6th of 2020? Well, um, there's a number of groups out there, Patriot groups, and I would say what they're doing already is um, sending notices out to the sheriffs, sending notices out to the clerks. Uh, For the sheriffs, um, what I would say is these have been declared um, illegal by the highest court in the state, and uh, they need to be removed. And the sheriffs need to, um, uh, if they can't get them removed immediately, uh, they need to lock them up and they need to make sure that they cannot have ballots put in them because we are already into early voting here now um, in Wisconsin for this primary. And uh, so uh, those notices are going out from different uh, patriot type groups. And uh, hopefully uh, the Republican Party will also join in that effort uh, because they need to. And uh, so not only to the sheriffs, but also to the clerks in uh, putting them on notice that if any ballots are put in those boxes, then they cannot commingle them with other legal ballots because any ballot, again, put in those illegal boxes are null and void. doesn't matter how they're executed. Even if they look like they're just completely legal ballots, once they go in that illegal delivery system, they cannot be counted. Absolutely. So uh, for those, uh, we have several out-of-staters watching the program today. And for those who don't know, our our current Attorney General, uh, Josh Cowell, is a a far-left leftist, I would have to say. Mm -hmm. Um, He's raised, uh, I believe, over $2 million for this campaign. Um, He's the incumbent and... uh, I don't see how you can raise $2 million in the amount of time that he did and not owe somebody some favor somewhere along the line. Karen doesn't have that issue. I can vouch for Karen personally. I know her personally. Um, she uh, She doesn't owe anybody favors. When she's in office, she'll be working for the people. That is true. Um, that is what I tend to do. I would like to say that I am the roots of the grassroots, um, and uh, my fundraising reflects that. Very small donations for the most part. Um, um, I do have a couple of maybe $3,000 donations, but other than that, it's uh, people. It is people that are donating that take my signs and then donate some money, and uh, that's how it's been going. But uh, I've got a lot of support. Uh, from people around the state. And uh, uh, just today, somebody had told me um, that uh, their husband had been out traveling the state and he's seen my signs go up. I think people are tired of this. They're tired of after a year and a half, the truth is still not out, is still not recognized, um, or the laws are just plain being ignored. And that's the truth of what happened a year and a half ago. Um, is is that we have a legislature that just ignored the fact that those boxes were there and that they were illegal. Um, we recently had um, one uh, senator uh, who wrote a campaign uh, letter out to people and uh, in the wake of this uh, decision said, we all knew all along. And uh, that's that's an unbelievable admission. 
um, uh, that they knew all along and they did nothing to stop um, the um, illegal certification of those 10 electoral votes. Uh, I would say that by doing that, they violated their oaths of office. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah. everybody knew all along. And I guess we're still wondering what, you know, what are they going to do about it? Right. Um, and, it seems to be business as usual in Congress. And they need to decertify. Uh, uh, Representative Tim Rantham um, is the one that has carried the torch in the legislature um, for um, decertifying the election. And that needs to happen. And that needs to happen very quickly here uh, because we need to get this behind behind us. And you're right. We've got an election coming up in November. Uh, whether I win the primary or not, we've still got a slate of candidates um, that are going to be at risk of not having um, uh, the election come out in a fair way if uh, we don't uh, take care of this. We need to clean up our election uh, mess. We need to clean up the corruption. And I think that you may see that coming with uh, the We the People movement, because everywhere I go in this state, people are sick and tired of it, and they want something done about it. And if I am elected and I get to Madison and as the next attorney general, I will open an investigation into this. Um, one thing you mentioned earlier is that you've got um, out-of-staters who um, are listening, that your audience is broader than just Wisconsin. And those people need to know that the, um, the ballot drop box guidelines that were created by Megan Wolf, the administrator of the Wisconsin Election Co- Commission, she created those guidelines from guidelines that came out of the federal government. They came out of the uh, CISA. Some people say CISA, uh, whatever. It's an agency, a sub-agency of the Department of Homeland Security. And uh, normally when I'm talking, I would have a copy of those with me to show people. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that they do exist um, and I have them. And what that means is that our own federal government was meddling in state election law so that we have, I would assume, deep state actors that wanted to change the election. And they were bound and determined to make sure that those absentee ballot boxes were spread out in all 50 states. The problem with it happening in Wisconsin is in Wisconsin, we had people that never bothered to legalize them before they used them. You know, so much for, you know, that. Uh, we have the Speaker of the Assembly, Robin Voss, through his attorney, that said that they could be used. And then he approved of Megan Wolf's illegal guidelines. We have a scandal here, and we need to clean He's this. A, he is a Republican, by the way. He is a Republican. Mention. Yes, he is. Yeah. And so is Scott Fitzgerald. And those two, through their attorneys, indicated that Megan Wolf's guidelines were completely acceptable. And she had no authority. The Wisconsin Election Commission has no authority to write law. Well, I'm just uh, I'm just wondering how much faith people will actually have in in even in the elections and even bothering to go vote. Uh, 
Well, in um, view of in view of the uh, the way things went uh, last year, last time. Well, um, I, I hope they'll vote. I hope people will go and vote this time. Like I said, there's letters going out to the sheriffs. There's letters going out to um, the clerks. You know, the thing is, is that if the clerks started taking those ballots, you know, just as a, a hypothesis, if they took them now because one box was left open and they took those ballots and they commingled them with bag ballots that were uh, coming in legally, they will have committed misconduct in office, which is a felony in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. That's a class I felony. And so I would say the clerks need to be um, doing, uh, minding their P's and Q's and following the law because people are watching all over this state. Um, well, so- we're, we're speaking with Karen Mueller. She is uh, one of three running for the uh, uh, attorney general in Wisconsin. Karen, if you would, tell us a little bit about uh, the two gentlemen you're running against in the primary. Okay. Um, I am running against Adam Jarko, and uh, he's from the western part of the state, further west than myself. And the other candidate is a gentleman by the name of Eric Tony, and uh, he has been um, uh, the DA in Fond du Lac uh, for 10 years, I believe, is what he says. And um, I have no issues with either of them. Uh, I simply did not hear. um, By the way, I I joined the race uh, quite late in March of um, March 19th. And I did that because I wasn't hearing anybody talk about things that mattered to me. Certainly it wasn't. um, They weren't uh, talking about the election in the way I was. They weren't talking about Robin Voss. They weren't talking about decertification. Um, and uh, those are things that really matter to people and have continued to. And I've been in the fight for um, a year and a half, going on two years here um, since I, I wrote that lawsuit. Um, so those are things that they haven't been interested in. Um, and if they're interested now, that's a good thing. Um, but uh, I have a lot of experience in this uh, area. Um, simply because it's a big area that I've been in. Um, Also, uh, another thing is is that uh, they haven't been um, talking about the hospital deaths. In fact, I think it's quite interesting how silent they are. Um, I've been speaking about this now since March and um, have not heard anyone, either one of them, have an affirmation um, that this is on their radar screen. And yet we have lost... uh, many, many people. In fact, that's one of the main reasons I got into the race is because I started getting calls from all of these families across um, Wisconsin saying they killed my mom, they killed my dad, or they're killing them. In fact, that led me to uh, file another case, um, which was um, uh, Gall versus Aurora Hospital System. And in that case, we were simply trying uh, to give uh, ivermectin to a dying man. And uh, uh, we won at the circuit court level, but the appellate court got involved and they stayed that order. And so they basically turned their back on a dying man. And then I appealed it up to the Supreme Court of Wisconsin. And then they denied, uh, they did not want to hear it, um, the case. And so it went back down to the appellate level and we got an unfavorable ruling back in May. And I have just appealed that. 
And so if the Supreme Court takes that case, that will be another very important case um, regarding uh, whether or not people have a right uh, to receive treatment, necessary treatment that they believe will help them instead of being given the poisons, um, the remdesivir and the baricitinib that these people have been given. Um, It's outrageous the way that families have been treated in Wisconsin hospitals. I never thought I'd live to see the day uh, where we would have so many people with the same pattern. The thing is, is that these are COVID-19 protocols that are coming out of our federal government. Again, I can't say strongly enough, we have criminals in our federal government that uh, have been selling these policies, protocols um, to the hospitals and basically saying you follow these or else you don't get Medicare reimbursements. And you have to think about that. Mm-hmm. What that really means is, is that, you know, um, if you're not going to um, follow these and, and uh, let people die here or actively kill them, you're not going to get Medicaid re- reimbursement. This is outrageous. It's not uh, only that, but they're they're giving hospitals. Um, I mean, it's been proven they're giving hospitals financial incentives to use these particular drugs that have been proven to be deadly. Absolutely, um, uh, it's because of the sheer number of people that contacted me that I was able to put together exactly what was going on, and um, it took a while, but I had to have received over 50 calls from different families and very little variation. In fact, there were um, cases um, where uh, the families would call and they would say, can you help me? And I would say, well, I can't file anything because I've got this other case going, but I would ask them what drugs they were on. In one, or their loved one was on. And in one particular telling case, um, I had uh, asked them if uh, this young lady, if her uh, father um, was on baricitinib and, um, and on remdesivir, because that was a joint EUA, which most people aren't aware of. So by the hospitals giving that joint drug, not only did they get a 20% bonus, uh, by giving the remdesivir, but they also got immunity from liability, um, which most people weren't aware of. And the baricitinib is a terrible drug. I don't know why they would give that to anybody. It'll cause blood clots. It'll cause upper respiratory bacterial infections. Why in the world would you give that to somebody that you're treating for COVID? And, that you're, and so then the people would end up on a ventilator soon as they get on the ventilator, the hospital gets another 39000 What I experienced or what I heard being experienced was family after family was uh, uh, then after about five days of having their loved one on the ventilator, the hospital staff would start pressuring them to either do a DNR order or to do comfort care. And it's outrageous the way that these families were treated. And then... Well, and then they one, were, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to say one of the one of the reprehensible things that the hospitals were doing was if they got to the point where the hospital would not even consider doing um, alternative treatments right. for dying people, the hospital would make them sign an uh, against medical advice uh, right. form, and threaten the family that if you if you sign this check your check your loved one out 
um, insurance isn't going to pay any of this. And so you're going to, you're going to end up owing us, you know, $500,000. Right. Right. So, I mean, it it was pure intimidation on top of everything else, but absolutely. before we go on, Ray, Ray in our audience has a question. Ray, are you still there? Do you want to ask your question? Yeah, uh, those are two um, hot, hot button issues right there, both the uh, medical fraud and the election fraud. Uh, going back, though, to the election fraud, if, if we do reach the point of decertification, what's the next step that happens after that? Are they going to have to do a total revoke? Or how would they, what, would, what would happen after a decert? Um, well, first of all, we have to get there. Um, on the back side of that, what does it look like? Um, it really doesn't look too much difference because the 10 electoral votes do not change the election um, uh, for the country. Um, so if uh, the legislature um, did decertify and um, at this point, I suppose they could decide to not give them to either or they could decide Um, The thing is, is that because uh, there are so many ballots that really at this point, we can't determine who won them. I'm thinking we pull back and um, that uh, you pull back those votes and maybe they would decide to do a reelection. But at this point, I'm thinking there's not there would have to be the other states coming after Wisconsin that would have to decertify. And I'm not sure that's going to happen before the next election cycle. So the way I look at this and the reason I'm calling for it is to clean up Wisconsin's massive corruption. This needs to be done for Wisconsin and for Wisconsin's voters. They need to know that our elections are safe and transparent and secure. And right now, Nobody that I know of trusts them because of what happened here. How about uh, the Diebold uh, voting machines? Um, we got any way we're going to get rid of those and just do uh, uh, written ballots? Well, again, that that would have to be a decision um, for the legislature. So that's something I can't speak to. I think and they're it's not going un- anywhere with it at this point. I, I think it's un- unlikely that anything is going to change, but. From my perspective, the election was stolen based on the number of ballots that were put in those boxes. When I filed that lawsuit, we had the numbers out of Milwaukee County alone. And there was about 137,000 ballots that they said came out of those boxes. And there were 15 boxes in Milwaukee County. And then they said that the breakdown was about 30 to 70 percent in favor of Biden. So if you draw do, if you drew down all of those uncountable ballots that were in those boxes, what you would find is that um, Trump won the election by about sixty thousand votes in Milwaukee County alone. That's just doing the math just for Milwaukee. So, <clears throat> so you know, there's a lot of talk about all of the other things that were found and. Uh, you know, the um, way that ballots were uh, executed in a legal manner or they were cured illegally. But I believe that the election was, in fact, stolen because of those boxes. And that is also the primary way that I think it was stolen throughout the country. 
The problem the rest of the country has is, is that there's many states where they actually not only got the absentee ballot drop boxes, but they got the law changed. I know that that is, in fact, um, what happened in um, a number of states. And I know there are certain states like South Carolina um, where they tried to um, get the ballot boxes put in, but there were people that were able to reject them. Um, so maybe they didn't have the level of, uh, of uh, I don't know, unsavory characters that we have in Wisconsin because they got them in just very nicely. So anyway, that's my thought on it. Um, so. Okay, let's. Uh, we have another uh, viewer in Salina, Kansas. Uh, if you'd like to ask your question, Russ. Uh, yes, my question is: uh, the Wisconsin voter can they hold these uh, people that have been involved with the illegal activity in the election? Can they sue them? That's my question. Thank you. Um, they could sue them, and um, they may want to at some point. Um, if I'm attorney general, I'm going to open an investigation into this and see who knew what when. Um, but the fact that we now have a, a city and senator saying we knew it all along, um, well, that way it raises questions right there about uh, violations of their oath of office, number one, and did they commit misconduct in office? Because if they committed misconduct in office, and I'm just posing that as a possibility, that again is a class I felony. So there needs to be an investigation done into who knew what when. Um, and that's just for um, the election uh, fraud. You know, I'm sure everybody has seen uh, 2000 Mules, and um, that's all well and good. Uh, the way that they portrayed Wisconsin wasn't completely accurate because they tended to look at it as the rest of the states where the boxes had actually been legalized. And um, so uh, some of that is a little confusing regarding Wisconsin, because again, the boxes themselves were never, never legalized in Wisconsin. So none of those ballots could be counted, regardless of how many they stuffed in. None of them were countable. And yet they went ahead and did it because legislators evidently looked the other way and allowed the election to be certified when it never should have been certified. Swamp is definitely deep in Madison, isn't it? Definitely is, yes. Well, Karen, you are, uh, you are a 100% uh, pro-life person, and I've known that for some time. Yes. I know you're passionate about that. You were uh, endorsed by Pro-Life Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. um, Talk a little bit about what uh, what your position is on that in regards to uh, the recent Supreme Court decision and well, again, how that, that yeah. would affect Wisconsin. Yeah, we had a wonderful win, didn't we? Um, 50 years. I'll date myself, but I graduated from school or from high school in 1973. My whole adult life has been living with Roe v. Wade. And so this was a tremendous win at the Supreme Court um, by those who argued it. And um, I just applaud them and the Supreme Court for doing the right thing after all these years. But here in Wisconsin, what we have is we have a law on the books that's 170 years old. And um, 
So I have already promised to completely defend that law. Um, um, I said before Roe v. Wade was overturned that if that happened, I would defend it. And so as soon as uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned, our current attorney general, uh, Josh Call, came in and he files a lawsuit against the legislature, basically arguing that the statute is stale. It's too old and it shouldn't be. Um, we should no longer use it. And then they made a second argument that uh, in addition, since there were laws uh, that went on the book in relationship to Roe v. Wade, basically to to modify and contain uh, Roe v. Wade by, you know, putting a cap on the killing of 20 weeks after 20 weeks, they say, well, that law now takes precedent and the old law is out. And uh, the problem that I see here is, is that um, the, it is the legislature that is being sued, and uh, the three legislators that are named are, again, uh, Speaker Robin Voss, I believe Lamehu, and uh, Kapenga. And um, our concern is, are they going to actually defend it, or are they, they going to feign defense? Because these babies, these unborn babies, deserve a chance at life. In fact, there's something very important that came out of that 170-year-old law that is currently in effect in Wisconsin. And in that statute, it says that every unborn child from conception is a human being. And that, in my estimation, gives that unborn child a constitutional right to life. And that is something that we need to fight for. And so if we have our legislature not defending it when they need to be vigorously defending it, we're going to have a real problem here because we cannot have Josh Call knocking this law out when it has been sitting there waiting uh, to be used as soon as um, Roe v. Wade was overturned because that law was wrong from the beginning. And uh, that is what the court said. Well, so, I don't think we have to worry about Josh. Um, if it's uh, anywhere near a, a uh, fair and free election, I think uh, it's going to be someone else in that yeah. seat uh, yeah. coming yeah. up. The other aspect of my pro-life is now, of course, the end of life. We already talked about the hospitals uh, but the other issue that I'm running on is the so-called vaccines. Um, it's like now we're at the point of, of now they want to uh, give shots to the kids. And um, as far as I'm concerned over my dead body, uh, these are not um, these are not vaccines. These are bioweapons. And I would challenge anybody uh, to prove me wrong on mm. that. I've talked extensively by a man by the name of Francis Boyle. He's a law professor out of Chicago, um, but he is the author of uh, the Bioweapons Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989, which is still good federal law. And I've talked to him at length, and he absolutely believes that these are bioweapons. Um, and uh, one of the signs of that, not only are we losing many, many people here, um, the VARES reporting system has us 
over um, this is volunteer board uh, volunteer system um, at the CDC. Right now, it's over twenty eight thousand, but uh, they are known to be under reporting by about ninety uh, percent, which means we've really got over two hundred thousand dead Americans in this country at a minimum. When did it become okay for the U.S. government to kill its citizens, to be experimenting upon its citizens without informed consent? This violates the Nuremberg Code. Um, this is outrageous. And we can tie this back to the hospital homicides because the reason there, or potential homicides, is because the reason that the ivermectin has been banned is because these big pharma um, outfits would lose their EUA status if an alternative treatment such as ivermectin was used in the hospitals. And there's um, we have come uh, people that are complicit in our state government as well. And if I'm oh, a you know, I had uh, interviewed Dr. Brian Artis. Uh, mm-hmm. A while back, I don't remember when, but at that time he produced uh, evidence that ivermectin was actually indeed was authorized by the FDA for use in treatment in hospitals. But hospitals were never, I mean, your everyday doctor was never informed of that. The hospitals were using the other treatment, the remdesivir, um, and the other things because those were the drugs that were financially incentivized. Ivermectin um, was not right. Well, it was um, it was authorized on this uh, chart chart. I think it was two e, um, and I simply think that they overlooked that in their uh, web page um, because I don't think that was their intent. Their intent was to make sure that this drug was not used um, at all. They need they had zero tolerance for this drug being used. I know that's a fact because I have uh, also um, had uh, four different doctors um, that I am aware of that have had their license at the very least scrutinized because they dared to um, uh, prescribe ivermectin um, as a drug when there's nothing wrong with doing that. It was simply off-label. This happens a thousand times every day. This is a 40-year-old drug. Um, that uh, won a Nobel Prize, and uh, there is no reason why an individual doctor couldn't decide with their patient to go ahead and try it. Again, this is done every day, and yet we have our state government through the licensing board that has gone after these doctors, and that's outrageous too. And Josh Call, again, has done nothing to uh, reel in these rogue agencies. Well, I learned several years ago it is almost impossible to uh, fight any hospital system or clinic system. Um, I was actually injured by a clinic in 2014, uh, seriously, and I I went to uh, at least 50 to 60 different attorneys. No one would take the case because it was, they all told me it was a conflict of interest and they were all um, Mm -hmm. representing this particular clinic. Well, this particular clinic apparently had attorneys in, in four or five different States that I attempted to work with attorneys in. That's right. That's what they do. Um, They contract, 
they, they yeah. contract with many different law firms, parcel out the work. Everybody's got a conflict. Nobody goes after them. Yeah. Um, they haven't parceled out any work to the Amos Center for some reason. Mm. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder why. Yeah. No, they. Um, I, I had several tell me, "Well, try Minnesota. We'll try Michigan. You know, mm-hmm. try try these other." Every mm-hmm. place I, I honestly, I went to fifty different attorneys, mm-hmm. and they just said, "It's you, we can't help you." So, right. Yep. So, what is the average person supposed to do um, when you've been seriously injured by by uh, the the medical establishment, or well, for love very, love the ones that have been killed? It's it's very difficult. Um, um, I've had a plan. Um, and, uh, um, I go back, I started the Amos center two years ago, um, when I saw that our rights were being trampled. Um, and this has to do with people losing their jobs, people losing their businesses, being shut down, kids wearing masks. And then it moved into the vaccines and the mandates and all of this. And I looked at this and, um, I decided that I needed to start the Amos Center for Justice and Liberty um, for those reasons. But before I even got there, it started in with the election um, stuff. Uh, But overall, this is a plan. This is orchestrated. There is um, a uh, uh, group of people, criminals, um, within our federal government, some in our state government, who have been working in concert. And those people can be held accountable by both civil and criminal lawsuits. And basically they come under the RICO statute. And that is what I intend to look at. In fact, what I would like to do um, with the so-called vaccines is to work with other attorney generals. Um, If I'm privileged enough to um, win this election, um, I will at least try. Having said that, there um, there is a but to that and that you've already heard me talk about multiple substantial um, investigations and prosecutions. And um, I will need, frankly, a budget to go with it. And so whoever is elected governor is going to have to be, and the legislature, they're going to have to be willing to increase the budget for the attorney general's um, office and the Department of Justice um, because they haven't been interested in pursuing any of this and we are talking about um, a significant increase will be needed just to hire the people to do the proper investigations. So Wisconsinites are going to have to make a choice, and they're going to have to decide, you know, well, do we need the Department of Education? Um, do we need the Department of Health? Maybe we don't need them. Maybe we need to get some justice back here in the state and clean up the corruption. And that's something I am offering to do, at least to try to do. Um, so that's that's my reason for running. Um, um, what I tell people when I uh, do my talks is I say I'm also running for my grandkids so that they can live in freedom because we're very close to the end here. They've used the healthcare system to bring in Marxism. Um, and now they're going to try to control us, every aspect of our lives, and they're increasing it day by day. And uh, we need to stop them and we need to roll the clock back and we need to do it quickly because we're almost out of time. Um, Once they have the ability to use brute force, which I don't think that's cemented yet, 
um, then it's all over for freedom. And uh, not only for my grandchildren, but I often think about the men um, who fought for many, many years, um, many wars in this country, going back to the revolution. My dad fought in World War II. They fought for freedom. And it's time for Wisconsin to stand up for freedom. And uh, Wisconsin's Christians need to stand up right now um, because we're in the very late end game here um, in this battle. Unfortunately, Karen, people just uh, don't pay a whole lot of attention. They um, see the R after the name, and that's who they check off. They don't even know right. who the people are. Right. And um, they're, this is why we still have, apparently, Robin Voss still sitting there. Right. Right. I, you know. Well, I'll tell you, there's a great guy running against Robin Voss, and he really needs uh, your viewers' support, financially support, also needs your prayers because of a family crisis. And I won't go into that um, out of respect for him, but he he needs he needs the the Christians to carry him across the finish line and defeat Robin Voss. Let me just say that, and I would just say pray for him and his family right now. Um, what is his name? Yeah. Um, his name is Adam Steen. Okay. And, and um, people even out of the district need to be supporting him financially. Heck, people around the country need to support him financially because Robin Voss, when I go back to the election steal and I go back and I talk about the absentee ballot drop or drop box guidelines that came out of the federal government, they came down through two national nonprofits. One of them was called the National Conference of State Legislators. The other is the National Association of Secretary of States. And the National Conference of State Legislators, the president for that year was Robin Voss. And um, the guidelines were pushed down through from SISA to those national nonprofits into each and every state. And so they were meddling the federal government in an unconstitutional way because under our constitution, it is the state legislature that is responsible for election law regarding federal officials. They had no business sending those out. And so we've kind of come round robin um, in, in a way, but uh, there's a lot of different things that have gone on in the state of Wisconsin that are very, very suspicious and need to be investigated. Yep, yep. So uh, we're speaking again with Karen Mueller, running for Attorney General. Uh, the primary is August 9th in Wisconsin. And uh, uh, Karen is 100% pro-life. She is the only one that I know of, speaking of um, ending all the mandates in Wisconsin, fighting the mandates of the federal government upon Wisconsin. And that has to do with masks and, and uh, jabs and mm -hmm. any type of, you know, health freedom. She's also a supporter of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Karen's husband uh, and daughter have 47 years of consecutive service in law enforcement. That's true. So I, I have a very good understanding of, uh, of what law enforcement uh, needs in terms of support. 
I understand the split-second decision-making that they go through, and um, I understand that they need to be supported um, as long as they are following the policies of uh, and training uh, that comes out of their um, their police departments. Uh, we need to support them. We have a growing shortage of law enforcement officers. It's a thankless job, and it has now become worse uh, when we have the likes of Antifa and the Black Lives Matter that have protested, burned uh, Kenosha down, and um, then uh, we hold um, our law enforcement to an unbelievable standard. Um, and uh, if we want uh, to be safe in, in the streets, in our homes, uh, then we need to uh, find a way to uh, support our law enforcement. That doesn't mean meaning throwing them under the bus um, in any given situation. Having said that, um, uh, there are rogue cops out there, there are bad cops out there, and they need to be weeded out um, because they just make it difficult for the good cops. So, well, uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, I should also mention you are pro constitutional carry. Yes. Um, honoring the Constitution as it was written, not as it has been interpreted. Yep. Yep. Um, and the thing is, is that what we've uh, seen, uh, we saw the terrible shooting down in, in the schools, um, um, how different that would have been if we had had armed teachers. Um, that uh, terrible shooting uh, in Texas would have ended quite a bit differently, and it would have ended uh, um, a lot sooner. Um, look at the shooting that took place the other day. I think that was in, was it in Indiana? Um, yeah, Indiana, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, um, the uh, uh, that that shooting was in a public shopping mall, and it was stopped by yeah. uh, someone with a concealed carry uh, That's weapon. That's right. That's right. Um, now social media is uh, tearing this guy apart, saying he's not. He was not a good guy. He was a lawbreaker because he was in the mall, and the mall was a gun-free zone. Well, so there you go. We should have had more dead part. people, right? Yeah, I mean... So they're, they're only happy with more dead people. So, I mean, it, the it, guy could have killed 40 people. Um, yep. I, I believe two or three died. Yep. Um, but this person responded. He was trained. He, he knew how to use his weapon. Yep. And he eliminated the threat within two minutes. Absolutely. If they had not been there, if they had to wait for an hour for the police to show up, what could have happened in this gun-free zone? A lot more people dead. So, um, but uh, but we have the um, nonsense of the left continues, um, and uh, as long as we do, uh, we are going to have more and more um, dead children um, because the obvious answer is is that they have a right to be defended um, by people that are willing to defend them from inside the schools. If we have these continue to have these events of uh, of shooters, and then you go back and you look at the um, um, the shooters themselves, and you find out there's a, a severe untreated mental illness um, that wasn't dealt with, or they are extremely confused, or the schools have failed them. In many cases, these are just barely adults themselves, um, where um, it is the schools 
It is the, the lies that have been sold to them by the left that says you can become a girl or you can become a boy uh, when we know that that's not true. Um, these people need real health. They need real um, mental health um, uh, care that uh, will help them resolve um, what is mo motivating them to go in and shoot up a school. Um, well, I believe, Karen, that um, after 12 years of indoctrination, propaganda, and brainwashing by these public schools, yep. uh, these kids are driven absolutely mad. Not only that, but, mm -hmm. you know, the, the mainstream news media will never tell you what drugs these kids are on. Um, this guy in Indiana, 20 years old, uh, had been evicted from his apartment, um, didn't have a job. He was homeless. He had no mm -hmm. money. And yet, somehow, he managed to buy thousands of dollars worth of uh, weapons. Mm -hmm. how, how did that happen? You know, things are not always what, what is presented to us. Right, right. Um, but again, um, so I am in favor of constitutional carry. Um, one other thing I would like to say is that, in general, I am against the mandates. And if I am elected attorney general... Um, that will be the end of the mandates. They won't be enforced in this state. And going back to supporting law enforcement, I think we've done a grave disservice to law enforcement um, where we have put them in the middle and said, you need to go enforce this, um, when we've known all along that these were unconstitutional mandates to begin with. The whole point of government is supposed to be defending the rights or ensuring um, that uh, our constitutional and civil rights are not infringed upon. That's what government is supposed to do, and it's supposed to be limited government. Instead, we have governments today um, that have no problems going out and stomping all over the rights of citizens. This is a free country. It started out this way. We had a revolution, and, um, and uh, we chose freedom. And today, people need to choose freedom once again. We fought a civil war for freedom. Wisconsin never had slavery, um, and yet Wisconsin sent many men to war to fight for freedom. And so if there is a message that your viewers are left with, it is freedom is important and freedom needs to be fought for here. And right now we can still fight um, by um, uh, in a political way. And uh, we can make sure that we get the right people in office. And uh, those are legislators. Um, those are the right governor. And I'm just going to say I am supporting Tim Rantham. Um, he is the one calling for decertification. And, um, and he has laid it all out there. Um, we have other candidates, maybe in a different time, that would have been appropriate. This is the time for looking at the people that have made a sacrifice. You look at him, you look at me, you look at the other candidates that are running out there for freedom. What do we have to gain? Uh, we've all put our lives on hold. This is not what I expected for myself and my husband to be doing um, at this point in our lives. It is the last thing. Um, I ran for Congress once, never figured I'd run again. Um, and here I am running for attorney general. Um, so... Um, well, Karen, because we are not a 501c3, I will tell my viewers, vote for Karen Mueller and Tim Rampton. <laughs> so, Thank you. You can find out more about Karen at her website, which is Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R, the number 4-A-G, 
Mueller4AG.com, Mueller4AG.com. There's the website there. There are some interesting videos there, and all of her uh, information can be found there. We are out of time for today. Next week, we will have Scott Shera on with an update on uh, the situation with Grace's case. Mm-hmm. And until then, God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye. Mm-hmm.